0: Amen. Well, welcome. Welcome to True North. You can grab a seat. That's fine. Grab a seat. Uh, If you don't know me, if you're new here today, my name's Dean. Welcome. It's great great to have you here. Uh, One of the pastors here at True North. And we're going to get into God's Word in just a moment. Uh, Just before we do that, I wanted to uh, let you know about a couple changes coming up uh, to our morning services. So uh, just before we get into the Word, I want to talk to you about that and uh, and, and what we're going to be doing. Uh, you know, we were singing that song, and I love the, the album that our, our guys have written and, and put out. It's called Motion. If you haven't heard it, great, unbelievable what, what these guys are producing. And, uh, but it's called Motion, and, and I love that picture uh, because we always desire to be a church that's in perpetual motion, always going forward, never staying still. And, uh, and so one of the things we're going to do, we thought we'd have a bit of fun this kind of spring and summer. Uh, we love to, you know, spring, summer, who's looking forward to summer, by the way? Who's looking for it? You know, that we've had a couple tiny little tastes, and then boom, it gets yanked away from us again, and the rain and the cold come back. Uh, for spring and summer, we are actually going to combine our two morning services into one service. And so here's what that's going to mean. Now, I know uh, all of you here, it's 1045. I, I talk to people in 1045. I know most of you, you set the alarm on Sundays for 1015. I, I know. I've done some research. And so... I know it will be a challenge because it will mean we're going to have one 10 a.m. service. So we're going to bring both our services into one. And we just kind of thought we'd be due for some chaos as a church. We thought, how can we create a little bit of just hecticness? uh, And that seemed like a great way to do it. So that's really the longest. No, the actual, really what we did feel was we, we feel like we're always... Uh, it will create some hecticness. It will create some chaos. We're going to need some, you know, people who continue to step up and serve and do more things because it's going to get a little bit crazier, uh, in a sense, on a Sunday. But we just felt like what God was saying to us this moment. Uh, it w- our word for this year is momentum. And we felt this is one of those things we could kind of just continue to lean into that as a church. We want to always be a place that connects more people. And if you're new here today, this is why we're here. We're here for you. want to connect people to God and then into a community of his people and we feel like for this next little season we can do that better by bringing everyone together we may not be able to do it very long it may just be a few months uh, we're only gonna fit for so long but we're gonna do that it, it may last longer we're not exactly sure but we want to be a place that kind of steps with what God's doing right now and uh, so what he's doing Three months ago is not what he's doing today. Is not what he's doing three months now. So we're at 10 a.m. service. We tried to split the difference. The 9 a.m. crowd, they set their alarms like Charlie for 6 a.m. And then they wait around all morning. So, but we said, no, you're going to come down a bit. This is going to come up. We're going to go 10 a.m. The other change coming is in our evening service. These are the people who don't even set an alarm. And so uh, for our evening service, you, you may not notice if you're new here today, we actually have two Uh, campuses although I think did Michelle talk about that was that no this is that was okay yeah when you have two services you get confused what's been said what's not been said what they uh, anyway um our evening service we have two campuses one's in Mullalu and one's right here in Marwa and our 5 p.m. service normally meets down in Mullalu and but for this uh next little stretch we're shifting the location from there to here so Sunday nights at 5 p.m. we're gonna have our our evening service here. One of the cool things about this space that God's kind of entrusted to us to use well is we can create some really great, uh, you know, indoor and outdoor spaces that allow people to connect in community and connect to church really uniquely, especially in the summer months. And so we're going to shift that service here, uh, 5 p.m. services. That'll be happening as well. So we got some cool things happening, but the the bottom line of all of it is, uh, like I said, our church, if you're new here, we... Feel this word for, for this year, uh, momentum, that God's constantly calling us forward, and we're going to constantly take whatever steps we can to just keep moving forward as a church, trying new things, doing whatever we can to see as many people come to know the love of their Heavenly Father and what it's like to be a part of His family in the church as possible. We'll do whatever it takes, because that's what He's called us to do. So, uh, so, that, so that's going to be kicking off October 15th. Right? I think it has, I usually tell people the wrong date. It's all part of my plan to make sure people are paying attention. So I, I put out false information sometimes just for fun. And, uh, but no, October 15th. So uh, that's coming up. But we're going we're gonna to get into the message in a moment. But right now, why don't you, I want you to stand up again. Stand up real quick. And you might be brand new here and you're like, I didn't even know I was coming into a place like this. And, and you know, I, I didn't know what to even expect at church. You might be somebody who's here and you're like, man, I love what's happening I love being a part of it. I want you to just turn around, three people, give them high fives and say, Momentum. You're part of the momentum God's doing. Give them a high five. Three high fives. That's 15 by my count. And that 15 of the three high fives reminds us October 15th is this time change. All right, you can grab a seat. Grab. Grab a seat once you're done, once you're done. Now, so we got, so this morning I had to do three high fives so you'd remember October. It's just Why do I even try? Like, what are you guys there? Is this on? What's the, so three high fives to remember October 15th. Now, we can't go on and tell everyone just once, just give me one time, 15. When I say October, you say 15. When I say October, you say 15. Oh, hey, all right, okay. October. Come on. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. And now, this morning, to just reinforce, I'm all about how can I help remember this. We are going to be preaching out of Genesis 15. Look at that. I chose this passage like months ago, and it felt. to, and it's, no, I'm just kidding, okay. But we are going to preach out Genesis 15, it's the day for 15s, all right. So we are going to be getting into now, uh, we're getting into a story about a guy named Abraham. This morning, what I, what I want to talk to you about, and if you're new here, one of the things we do every week, we get into the Bible and we look at actually how we believe God can speak to us out of the Bible. We're going to be talking this morning about what it's like to walk with an invisible God, about what it's like to actually know God, to journey with him. Now, uh, if, if you're kind of new to faith, got dragged church, you're probably like, you know what, people talk about this, like just knowing God, but what is it like to know a God? I can't see with my eyes, I can't, like how does that sort of even work? You might be somebody who's been around church for a long time and, and, and you're like, you know, to be honest, we can make it sound like, yeah, you just walk with God and it's great and good. The reality is it can be a real challenge, What it's like to walk with God. And oftentimes, you can find yourself at a space in life when you feel like there's a gap between the life God wants for you or some of the things that just you want for you and between what is kind of happening. And we're going to look at a story of a guy who walked with God, who had a relationship with God. He knew God. In fact he knew God so well his story is kind of preserved in the Bible for us to learn from and see that this is what it's like to walk with God and it's a guy named Abram and Abram uh, is a guy who here's a little bit of his background coming into the, what we're going to learn about him today. Abram was a guy who lived in Ur he lived in this big city of the day and He kind of had family. He had a pretty comfortable life in the big city. And God came to him and said, I want you to leave everything you know, and I want you to go somewhere to this land that I'll show you. I'll kind of show you as we get there. And Abram kind of just believes God, takes him at his word, leaves everything he's known, sets out on this journey of walking with God. Now, Abram's going to this land, and God promised him two things. God promised him he was going to give him a son. And he also promised he was going to give him some land. And Abram's been walking with God for quite a while, but he hasn't seen either of these things begin to become reality. And some good things are happening in his life. In fact, where we pick up, he's just had a bit of a victory over some neighboring kings. He's growing in influence. He's growing in wealth. He's kind of, a lot of things in his life are going really well. But two things aren't, and then the two things he wants most. A son and this land that God has called him to. And so we're gonna pick up a conversation between God and Abram and just look a little bit about what it's like, you know, when, when, when God calls you somewhere, when God, you feel like He's promised something to you, or when you feel like you're not seeing those two things match up, what that can be like. And we're gonna look at how this played out for Abram. So Genesis, what chapter? Come on, you guys are so much further ahead than the nine. When you get to come together, I really think you'll be the stars anyway. Not just saying that, did not say it. in the, uh, Genesis 15. After this, after Abram has actually just rescued his nephews, had some successes, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. God's going to speak to him. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And this is what he said. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Here's the amazing thing. God is going to initiate a conversation with Abram. Now, God is going to come to him and he's going to tell him something that is what I'll call a foundational truth of what it's like to walk with God. He says, I want you to know this, Abram. Here's where the conversation is going to start. I am your shield and your very great reward. It's almost like if you could summarize a little bit. It's like God is saying to Abram, I want you to know this. I'm your everything. I'm your shield. I'm your protection, not the wealth or the strength or influence you're accumulating. I'm your shield and I'm your reward, I'm what it's all about. I'm gonna go before you and I'm behind, I'm your reward. Imagine this, you know, Abram is looking for a son, he's looking for land, he's got things he wants, he's expecting, wanting to receive from God. But God is gonna tell him at the outset of this conversation, Abram, those things are not your shield nor your reward, I, the Lord, am your shield and your reward. If we're gonna walk with God, this is what it looks like to walk with him. Is we have to begin with one foundational truth: that God wants to be our everything. Do you know this? God does not want to be in your life or in mine. Another thing. In our life, He's going to be like, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to and and I'll give you me. God's like, no. Just understand this, Abram. I'm your shield and your reward. The sun's not your reward. The land's not your reward. The things you dream of, hope for, they're not your reward. Your wealth isn't your reward. I, the Lord, am your shield and your reward. I want to be your everything. That most of it, and this is so important. I call this the foundational truth because if you try to walk with God on any other foundation, then God is my all, my everything. You will build on an unsturdy foundation and walking with God will... Not be the source of joy and peace and strength you hoped it would be. It always begins with a, a recognition. The conversation starts with this. God's my everything. That's the foundation. Yesterday, I was beginning the process of learning to build a cubby house. My 7-year-old Levi really wants like an outdoor cubby. He loves to build. He builds cubbies out of anything he can find. Chairs, tables, whatever, blankets, anything. And so, but he wants like a proper one. And now there would be no problem here, other than the fact that building might be, if I took a survey, it would appear last on my gifts of anything in life. I'm not bad with Lego, as long as I have instructions. But construction in general, not really my thing. So I started the process yesterday, you know, I'm at Bunnings looking at wood, acting like I know anything, which I don't, you know, asking questions, grabbing flyers, looking online, trying to figure out, where do I even start with this? I happened to go to a friend's house later in the day and i was like what have you been doing today he's like oh i've just been at bunnings getting stuff i'm building the cubby for the kids i'm like yes you are my shield and reward today no just kidding i did not say that but i was like oh can i i was like you've been building awesome let me see what are you doing he takes me out and shows me and he's building you know now whereas this is not in my set of gifts this is one of those guys who can just build anything. You know, you're like, oh, I need like a rocket. Yeah, I'll build a rocket. I'll have it done by next week. I just grab some tools and, you know, it's just one of those guys. And I'm like, how did you do this? Because it's sturdy, it's solid. I'm like, I'd call this a granny flat. cubby's not quite right, you know. And he's showing me, he's like, look, you know, I'm, he's like, where are you at? I'm like, let's just call it I'm beginning, you know, <laughs> and uh. Um, And he's like, you know, the thing you just gotta realize, you gotta start getting all your corners perfect from the beginning, you gotta get the foundation right. Start with a box, you know, here. He starts showing me metal things that are in corner shapes and telling me what I gotta do and how, and he's just like, but you gotta start on that foundation. Now this, we all know this, is truth in life. If the foundation's not solid, you cannot build something sturdy on it. And I just want you to know, no way will you be able to walk with God for the long haul until you grab hold of this reality. God's my everything. We've all got stuff like Abram we're looking for. But until we actually accept that actually God is the only thing I need, we got an unsturdy foundation. So God comes to him, starts a conversation there. I'm your shield, I'm your reward. Now, this is what it's like, though. This is how it's like to walk with God. I mean, God says that. And you're like, okay, so, all right, awesome. What would you say if you were in that moment? How would you respond? Well, here's how Abram... Responds. Here's what the conversation looks like in verse 2. Abram says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And here's the amazing thing about what it's like to walk with God. Here's Abram God has just appeared to you and said, I'm your shield. I'm your reward. And the first thing out of his mouth is what? What can you give me? God, what can you give me? He might, like this is me, I'd be like, whoa, uh, watch out for the lightning bolts. Abram, not with him. <laughs> Lord, you know, that's, not, that's just Abram. That's it. The first thing he responds with, the sovereign Lord, it's almost like, yeah, it's great. You're my shield. You're my reward. What are you going to give me? I don't have a child. I may have you, God, but I don't have what I was most looking for. And, and what are you going to give me? I mean, this is, and the one who's going to inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. We don't know anything else about him. I don't know if says anything else. All we know is Abram did not want him to get his stuff. <laughs> Can I tell you something? You know, in, in Abram's day, you got to understand this about that desire for a son. I mean, one God had promised it to him. So he's like, God, you promised me this. But, but we got to understand this. To have a son, to have an heir in their day. This was like everything. You know, it wasn't just Abram sort of had a nice picture of, you know, me and Sarah are going to, you know, have a child and move to the suburbs and sort of live out this kind of nice middle class. Like an, to have a son was, it was like, if you don't have that, you, don't, you just don't have anything. And Aaron it's what showed you made it. It was what kind of meant like, yeah, God's blessings on your life. And, and you've, you've reached it. You are, and to not have it was to be like, man, you just, you haven't made it. You know, for us, I mean, think about all the things we use to communicate status in our day, in our age. Like, Lord, I need that job. I need that promotion, that title, that degree. I need that car, that hall, that whatever it is. So I got to know that my life had a purpose and it was worth it. And for Abram, that's what this represented. What I think is amazing is that as Abram sort of raises this with God, I mean, you do sort of feel like, I mean, Abram, you like, is that okay? What, what is God going to do? You know, like, I mean, there's not a lot of people who get like a vision from God this clear. It's going to be recorded in the scriptures for all history. And after he tells you shield and reward, you've got this. <laughs> what are you going to give me? But what I love is you see something here about what it looks like to walk with an invisible God. And something that Abram had and something that God wants from every one of us if we're going to walk with him is honesty. Abram just tells. The honest truth to God. It's like he hears it, but he's also, he's just like, but Lord, what are you going to give? I don't have a son. This is what I'm looking for. It's great. You're my reward. But what about this? This is what I'm thinking about. You know, I love it. You know, Abram doesn't go, I know that's the right answer. I know you're everything. All right. And then sort of bury that deep down in his heart. He's still feeling a little bit of frustration. He's just honest with God. Can I tell you something? If you want to walk with God, one of the greatest things you can do is continue to be honest with him. Because you know what would have happened if Abram just didn't say anything? You know what would have happened if Abram just went, thank you. Conversation over. And the relationship actually stops. But because Abram's actually honest about what's going on in his heart, he's going to actually make way for God to do something in his heart. In fact, watch what... God does. Abram says, but what are you going to give me? And God responds in this way. And here's where he's going to begin to shift something in Abram's heart. He says, then the word of the Lord came to him. This is a conversation. They're going back. They're going forth. And the Lord says, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then he does this. He takes him outside. He takes Abram outside and says, look up at the sky. Count the stars. If indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. God is going to do something here that, you know what, sometimes if you've ever been in a spot like Abram, maybe there's something you're looking for, waiting for, hoping for in life. And if you're honest with God about it, it hasn't come and you're still looking for it. And you bring it to him. Do you know what God's going to do in this moment that I think often he wants to do in those moments for us? He's going to lift Abram's eyes off of what he's looking at and up to a bigger picture he's actually gonna say Abram he's gonna show Abram a far bigger vision for his life than Abram can see in this moment Abram can think about one thing one son one heir. that's what I want and God says take your eyes for a moment and lift them up and Abram do you know that one day your descendants You're thinking about one son, one heir? You're thinking about who's gonna get your stuff? You're upset that is gonna get your stuff? Abram, look at the sky. Someday your descendants are gonna be as many as stars in the sky. You can't even count them. All you can see is this one thing you think is so important right now. And God's like, I've got a bigger plan. I got bigger dreams. I've got bigger stories I want you to be a part of. One day, one of those stars, those descendants, it's going to end up being Jesus Christ. Abram, you're just thinking about this one son. You're part of a plan that is going to reveal salvation to the entirety of the world. It's going to be a part of God's redemption of all things. Do you know something? When we're sometimes so focused on one thing right in front of us, I think God actually wants to lift up our eyes and say, do you understand I'm doing something so much bigger in this world? And just, Abram got to play an unbelievable role in that plan. But can I tell you something that's true? God wants to use each and every one of us and part of his unfolding plan of redemption. You know, he has a bigger vision for your life. He has a bigger dream for, for what we do with our lives. And, and so often, I think what God just wants to do for us is, is we've got this one thing and all our attention, all our focus, all our disappointment, all our pain, all, all, and, and it's all focused there and we're saying, God, what are we gonna do about this? And he actually wants to lift our chins up and lift our eyes up and say, do you know, what right now may even be one of your greatest sources of pain and frustration is actually part of a much bigger plan than you can imagine. And God continues to kind of talk him through this. In fact, Abram, it says that Abram gives the only response that really makes sense in this moment. And it tells us that Abram believed God that Abram believed God in verse six and God credited to him as righteousness? Do you know something? The one thing that that, that Abram, that you constantly see this about him, the unique thing about Abram and how he walked with God, it's always said of him, he believed God, he believed God, he believed him. Do you know something, what it's like to to walk with this invisible God? Is to realize this, God wants you to know him, not just factually, like, yeah, I believe in God, I believe there is a God. I believe that, yep, he's real. Maybe even I believe that the God of the Bible, yep, that's God. I believe in him. He's out there. God wants more for your life than you just to believe in him. God wants us to believe him. That's about knowing him relationally, not just factually. Is he, you know, many of us may believe in God. Yep, I believe he's real. I mean, look at this world. Like, it can't. Feel a little ridiculous at times think it kind of all just happened into being by itself i mean look at the stars and the universe and all the things that have to line up just to let human light uh, uh, it's just yeah sure there's a god i can believe it and god doesn't want you just to factually believe he's there he wants you to believe him to converse to walk with him to learn to hear him you know so we are called to walk relationally with him can i tell you something as well i know sometimes it may be easy for us to go well, that's probably easy when you're Abram and you've got God speaking to you in apparently pretty clear language. And this is unique moments in how God's working. But can I tell you something? God longs to converse with each one of us. Can I tell you something that we even have that Abram doesn't have that allows us to hear his voice is we're given the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. That actually God has got promises for each one of us. He's got words to us that tell us about what life is about and what he thinks about us. And, and when we get into the word of God, into the Bible and reading it, we can actually realize that this isn't about, yeah, I'm just reading words on a page. But when you actually come to the Bible and you find some time and some space, maybe you go like Abraham, I'm going to get outside and I'm going to sit with this word. And I'm going to just say, God, would you help me to hear your voice? And realize the words on that page are not just words you're reading, but they're God speaking to you. Amazing thing. He wants us to know him. Wants us to walk with him. Wants us to sit in in the quiet spaces with him and get into his word and actually not just believe in him, but believe the things he's saying to us. Live like they're true. So Abram, uh, you know, God's going to even kind of continue here. So Abram believes him. And then God's going to kind of go one step further. Talk to him not just about the sun, but about the land as well. And, Abram's, and and God says to Abram uh, in this next section, he says, God, now he's, he continues talking to him. He says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and take possession of it. The Lord's like, you know, just remember, Abram, I'm the one who did this. I brought you. Look how far you've come. Look where I've taken you, where I'm bringing you. And don't forget, Abram, I did bring you to take possession of this land. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know? That I will gain possession of it. You know, often when we're walking with God, there are these times we think, God, I know you got something for me, but please can you answer me this one question. How can I know? Lord, how can I know? I want to believe it. You know, we even know. Like Abraham, he believed God, but there's something in us that just wants to say, God, how can I know? I want to be sure. I want to just know for sure. I want to live in that. God's pretty gracious God, and he's going to work with some of Abraham's questions here. So Abraham says, how can I know? And God tells him, here. This is how you'll know. So Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram. You're like, that's a natural transition, <laughs> you know. <laughs> how can I know, Lord? Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram. It's like, where's this going? <laughs> Each three years old. That means they're strong ones. This is like kind of the ideal age in them. These are the best ram, goat, heifer you've got. Along with... A dove and a young pigeon. So Abram brought all these to him and he cut them in two and he arranged the halves opposite. All right, so I'm going to cut these in half and put one here, one here. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. And then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. And we'll pause here for a second. And this is one of those passages. If you ever like doing read the Bible in a year, you start in Genesis 1, you get to Genesis 15, and you're like, what in the world? Yeah. You know, Dean told me, yeah, God's going to speak to me out of the Bible, and then you come on this, and you're like, get a heifer, a ram, and a goat, and cut them in half, and put one on you. Like, okay, you know, if that's what it takes to be certain, Lord, I'll live with the ambiguity. You know, like, I'll just. So what's this a picture of? And, and this is really, you know, one of those spaces we got to enter into Abram's world, and he's just got to understand, you know, this has taken place in the ancient Near East. And what this is, if you're not familiar with it, you may have, you know, seen this passage before, but. What's happening is they are about to make a deal, or what's called a covenant in those days. And life in the ancient Near East revolved in lots of ways. Survival in some of these places depended often on the covenants you would cut, the deals you would make with the people around you. So imagine you, let's just say I own a piece of land, and I've got my land, and I've got some, you know, some cattle and some livestock in my land. And then let's say somebody else, we'll say Michelle has another piece of land. It's smaller than mine and not as nice, but she has some. And I just, (laughs) so she's got a piece of, but on her land, there's no grass for the cattle, but there's a, there's like a well there, there's some water there. So I'm living over here and I'm like, I don't really like Michelle, but my cattle have nothing to drink. And so what am I going to do? And, and she's over there going like, I don't really like him. You should hear what he said about me in church last week. And I don't want to let him on my, but I do need, my livestock needs some of that grass. And so we're like, hey, let's make a deal. You know what? Uh, You can use your cattle can come graze here if my cattle can come and your. So just so let's say this is how we decide. Okay, this is how we will live together. This will be what the relationship between us will become. And so we say this is a serious deal. And so we're gonna we're gonna actually this is gonna be how we relate to each other. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take some animals, we're gonna sacrifice them, we cut them in half, one side here, one side there, the blood flows together as we saw. And then in order to, like, we're not just going to shake hands on this deal. We're going to walk through this kind of blood walk. And this is a way of saying this is so serious, this is so binding, that to walk through this is to say, if I don't hold up my end of the deal, may I be like one of these rams. And, and likewise, the other party, you walk through it together, and it's the other person saying, if I don't hold up my end of the deal, may I be like one of these rams, may my blood be shed. So what God is doing in this moment, he's saying to Abraham, create the blood wall. Do the sacrifice. We're making a deal. You want to know how you can know for certain that this will happen? We're going to enter into a deal where God says, I'm promising, I'm promising my very life that this will happen. So an interesting thing happens. So Abraham, he prepares it. And then watch what happens next. Verse 12. It says, then as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. In other words, he didn't just kind of fall asleep, uh, although you wouldn't blame him after what had apparently been quite a morning. Um, But God has actually put him into a sleep where he's going to speak to him. And it says, the Lord said to him, here's what you can know for certain. You want to know for certain, Abram? You want to know exactly what? Know this for certain. Know for certain that for 400 years, this is what's ahead Your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own. They'll be enslaved and mistreated there. It's a picture of what's going to happen to Israelites one day, 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And God says, but then I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, the Exodus. And afterward, they'll come out with great possessions. Abram, you, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. And in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. The sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full Measure. And so then the Lamb will come. Now, uh, we'll pause here for one moment because God is explaining to him here's what you can know for certain. And, and what I think is amazing as well is just don't ever mistake this about walking with God. When Abram says, How can I know for certain that, you know, there's bigger pictures, bigger vision, bigger dream? Dean, that's so awesome. I'm so glad that there's a bigger picture and a bigger dream and, and all these things for my life. Can I tell you something we see about how God works with Abram is that the fulfillment of that plan, vision, dream is rarely a straight line, probably almost never what you would expect, and usually filled with some incredibly adverse circumstances. Yes, Abram, you will have descendants too numerous to even be counted, but you'll never actually even get to see that part of it. And you just got to know that not only, yes, Abram, that will happen. But on the road to that happening is going to be 400 years worth of slavery. There is plenty of challenge yet up ahead. And and I love this reality of walking with God just, just to understand. Walking with God. It's a dialogue. It's a conversation. He lifts our eyes, he helps us see a bigger picture, but the reality is often still that picture is not necessarily, hey, it's gonna be all green lights and you know, sunshine up ahead only. No rainy days in your future, Abram. But God lets him know, but you can know for certain it'll happen. And in fact, Abram, in, in your life, you're gonna, you're gonna live to a good old age. You're gonna die in peace. That'll be part of your part in the story. And then here's the amazing thing that happens in this moment. Here's, you know, so God gives them a little bit of a picture. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's ahead. You want to know for certain how you can know for certain this will all happen? It says, when the sun had set, darkness had fallen. A smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared. This is representing the presence of God. And it passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. Now, the amazing thing about this one, how can I know for certain? How can I live in peace? Abram, you know, you know, many of us, we think, God, I know you have things for me, but I'm still, I'm living between the gap of what I think you've promised and what I, is actually up ahead. How can I live for peace in this space, from peace in this space? How can I actually know for certain that I can trust you, God? How can I, you know, how can I find that? What, it, what God does in this moment is let Abram know this is how you can know for certain. And something incredibly unexpected happens. Because we're all obviously now fairly well-versed in ancient Near East covenant-making rituals. And so we all see something really unique that happened in this picture. Because what was supposed to happen, what should have happened, is Abram and the presence of God, the smoking pot, they should have walked through that walk together. If you're going to make a deal and a covenant, then you go through it together because you're making a deal and you're saying, I'll hold up my end of the deal and I'll hold up my end of the deal. But that's not what happens here. God alone passes through that walk. And what we begin to realize is that the reason we can have peace, the reason we can have certainty, the reason we can actually take God at his word is because it does not depend on us holding up our side of the deal. This is a picture that shows us who God is and reminds us the only way to walk with God is on his terms. He's the one who makes the deals, and he's the one who keeps the deal. And this is how the deal works when you work with God. Is that he says, I'll hold my end of the deal, and I'll hold your end of the deal. If you don't hold up your end of the deal, does God say, no, that's it, you're out, forget that. No, God says, I'll take the punishment on myself. In fact, it's a, a bit of foreshadowing as well to realize that this is the same God who one day will send his son, Jesus. Why? Because God didn't hold up his end of the deal? No, because we didn't hold up our end of the deal. And God says, I'm willing to let it be my blood that's shed so that we can live in relationship again. I love this picture because it just reminds us that, you know, when you walk with God, this is what it's like to walk with him. You realize that you're walking with a God who holds up both sides of the deal. And when we look at what it looks like to then walk with Jesus and what's the new covenant, the new deal set up between God and people of how we'll relate to one another, we find out that it's actually our only job is to put our faith and our trust and our belief in Jesus Christ because he has taken it all on himself. And now we get to live in the relationship that he has bought for us. And the only way to walk with God, it's on his terms. And what are the terms of his deal? The terms of his deal are, I will hold up both sides of this deal. And anything goes wrong, I'll take it on my behalf. But God, what if we start to, what if we mess up? What if we do the wrong thing? God, I will take it on myself. Do you know something? You know where peace and joy come from when you begin to walk with God? It's not in getting everything you always wanted. Abram only glimpses things at a distance even by the end of his life. Peace and joy don't come from, you know, just all that stuff happening. They come from living in the in the certainty of knowing God has it all in his hands. You know, about, it was almost 10 years ago, I think, it was probably about 2007, I had a friend, and he was coming to do an interim, being a pastor here in Perth, actually in this church uh, for about six months. His name was Martin Sanders. Some of you uh, may know him if you've been around for a little bit. And so he, was, he lives in New York, but he was going to be in Perth for about six months. And so he was living here, and he said to me, Dean, I want to get while I'm here, it's good weather, it's sunny, it's a beach. I'm going to get a scooter. He said, let's make a deal. He said, how about this? You help me find a scooter, you know, buy one. Maybe even, you know, you could like throw in a little bit of money or something, I'll, and then, then I'll use it while I'm here, and then when I leave, you can have it. And I was like, well, Martin, I don't know nothing about scooters. And I didn't know anything. So I was like, I don't even know where you start. And I was like, and I, I don't really have, have uh, any money. I, I talked to the finance committee. You know, we all looked at it in our family and decided we have no money for a scooter. It's a great idea, but we don't have any money. And, and I was like, you know, I, and he's like, "Ding, just, he's like, okay, forget it, forget it. Let's try a new deal. All right, here's the deal. He said, I will come. I'm going to buy this scooter, I'll pay for it, I'll drive it, I'll find it, and then when I leave, I will give it to you. And I'm like, what's my part of the deal? You got to drive it. i like, what's my, no, look, I got to do something. I mean, that's pretty, I'll, I'll find something, I'll do something. No, 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 this is the deal. I'll buy it, I'll have it. When I leave, you have one thing you got to do, you have to enjoy it. You have to ride it. If you're not gonna ride it, and if you're not gonna go by the beach, if you're not gonna enjoy it, that's your only part of this deal. Can you do that? I could do that. (laughs) I could do that. You know? And, And it was like, now I don't know if you ride, you know, big motorbikes like I obviously do. It was a 50cc. I don't know if you've ever experienced the joy of just, I mean, cranking that thing full bore. I mean, I'm talking. Like, I know it's, it's, motorbikes can be fast and scary for some people, but I mean, this thing, when you really floored it, I mean, you could be going, you know, if you were headed downhill with a tailwind, you might hit 40Ks an hour, all right? <laughs> Maybe 50, you know, before the governor kicks in, or, you know, it's like. But, but when you and ride, you know, it was just a simple thing, but actually to ride, it's like, it's so much fun. There's so much joy. And, and it was always this picture of me. You know what? The only thing I have to do with this thing, I didn't do anything to deserve it, to earn it, to get it. I did zero. I was given one job. You have to enjoy it. Someone else said, I'll do everything. You, just one thing, enjoy it. Do you know what it's meant to be like to walk with God? If we realize he's our all. Okay, wait, actually, you know what, there's other things I'm looking at. No, God, you're my all. No matter what, whether I get this or not, God, you're my shield. You're my reward. All right, God, wow, you mean really? I get to be a part of a bigger plan. My life could actually be a part in a way I probably can't even imagine. But somehow, Lord, if I surrender to you, I can be part of your bigger picture. Okay. All right, Lord, how can I know for certain? And And he just tells you know what, it's not about you. I'll hold up. Both sides of this deal. We have one this is what it's like to walk with God. We get one job. We're supposed to live and enjoy the life he's given us. That's the deal. It's the covenant. He holds up both ends. Why can we live with peace? Why can Because it doesn't matter. But what if I mess up? I let down my part of the It doesn't matter. He's holding up both sides. So go on. Let him pour into you some peace and some joy and some patience and some kindness and some gentleness and all these good things. If you will but trust in him. Abram does one thing in his whole, you know, story. He believes God. He believes him. Can I encourage you, you know, just understand this is who God is. This is who he wants to be in your life. It's the life he's inviting you and I and every person into. We got one job, but we believe him. But we trust him. And then just live in the joy of that deal. I want to pray for us this morning. Invite the team out. We're going to sing in just a moment. But I want to invite you just to stand where you are. You can just stand up and maybe just kind of close your eyes. We're just going to take a moment just to kind of be in the presence of God. Because I believe God is here. And the trick is never getting him to show up. It's, it's us creating the space to, to recognize him. I want to give you a moment just to stand in a bit of quiet with him. And I want to pray in a moment that for anyone who you think, I want to begin to believe him. It's not about believing it. I want to believe him. I want to believe some of the things he's said to me. I want to believe the words of scripture. I want to believe what he has, has spoken to me. I want to believe the truth of this incredible deal that he's created where we get to just trust in Christ and walk with him. If you hear anything, you know what, I want to I find a, a level of peace today. It's based not on some of the things I was maybe hoping for or wanting, but a level of peace that comes because I am believing him and I am living in the freedom of that deal. My faith is in Christ. I trust that no matter what comes at me in this life, the good times, the bad times, I know no matter what, he's got me in his hands. I want to pray that you might know a greater sense of that peace. And if you know you want that in your life, that you can just hold your hands open in front of you. Because we just sort of believe that that this God can pour it out into our lives. And we open our hands just as a symbolic way of saying, Lord, I'm opening my my heart to you, my life to you. more of you in it. your heavenly father in this moment we recognize you are the god of abraham same yesterday today and forever you are here with us as you were with him that day and lord for every person here who finds himself saying to you today lord i want to just rest in that i want to believe you i want to just i want my trust to be in you i want my peace to come from you I want to be able to navigate all the challenges around me because I know that no matter what, you have me in your hands. You're holding up both sides of the deal. Lord, I pray that you pour out peace today. I pray you pour out certainty, confidence in those promises. More of your, your Holy Spirit in our lives. That, Lord, as we welcome more of you into our lives, we'd experience the life that you intend for us. That we would be able to enjoy life because we're we're beginning to experience your peace and your love and your joy and your kindness and your gentleness and perseverance. Strength that comes not from ourselves but from you. So, Lord, I pray for each one of us today that whatever we need to hear from you, may we hear it. May we know it. May we know it at a level that words can't even express, as your spirit witnesses with our spirit. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. May we walk with you. May we walk with you, this invisible God, and may we know you more and more each day in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed said. Amen. We're going to sing to him. Can I encourage you in this moment in this space? We're going to sing this song that just talks about God's faithfulness. And he is the one who holds up both ends of this deal. And let's let's respond to him in worship and honoring him and singing to him.